This is sermon number two of two sermons on prayer. Uh, last Sunday, the main focus of the prayer is uh, of the sermon was the great encouragement we have to pray because we have a great Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loved us, gave himself up for us, was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he is there for us as our intercessor, our mediator, our great high priest. And by his sacrifice for us, we are welcome in the presence of God. And God warmly invites us, warmly commands us to come to him and let our requests with thanksgiving be made known to him. So last Sunday's sermon focused on the foundation of our prayers, which is Jesus Christ himself, the gospel, because he himself has opened the way to heaven for us. This morning's sermon is more practically oriented, having to do with our actual practice of prayer. And before we begin, I wanted to just show you a a few books that I'm sure many of you are already familiar with, but maybe it would be helpful to others. I referred to this book, Timothy Keller's book entitled Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. It's a a very good, helpful, uh, easily, easy to read, and it's got some really good resources in the back, um, some spiritual exercises, that is, guides to devotionals and guides to the prayer life. And one of my favorite parts is that it includes some of John Calvin's own prayers in the back. So I commend that to you. Here's uh, another uh, book, and our ladies' Bible study used it recently. It's by Pastor Alistair Begg. It's a little book entitled Pray Big, Learning to Pray Like the Apostle Paul. And don't let that title uh, put you off. It's very easy to read, very, very accessible, and very, very encouraging. Pray Big by Alistair Begg. Here's one reaching back in history. This is entitled A Simple Way to Pray. Look, it's just a little bitty book, and it's very simple, by Martin Luther, the reformer himself. And in this little book, Martin Luther takes the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed, the ABCs of the Christian faith, the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed, and Luther walks us through uh, those foundational uh, stepping stones of the Christian life and and teaches us how to pray in accordance with them. A great, great little book I commend to you. Now, two books containing prayers. This one is entitled The Valley of Vision, a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. So these are uh, historic prayers based on the writings of the Puritans of the 16th or uh, 17th centuries. And uh, there's actually now a second volume that has come out. This is published by the Banner of Truth. Uh, If you would like to have that, Jonathan or I can put that in your hands. Here's a beautiful new book of prayers entitled Piercing Heaven, Piercing Heaven, Prayers of the Puritans. 
And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one of these prayers during the sermon this morning, but another beautiful book of prayers. I find it very, very helpful to me personally. Um, and so I commend these to you. Uh, if you would like to uh, have one of these, please let Jonathan or me know, and we can make them available or show them, show you how to, to get them. Well now, with that introduction, let us ask the Lord's blessing on the reading and hearing of His Word. We begin um, seeking the Lord's blessing. We pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit to open our minds and to open our hearts and to make us able and willing to receive and to respond to His Word. Otherwise, it would do us no good. So just as we ask the Lord to bless the meal before we eat it, we ask Him now to bless the reading and hearing of His Word so that we might be nourished by it. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we give You thanks for Your wonderful love. We thank You for sending Your Son to save us from our sins and to raise us up with Him in everlasting life as your children. We pray in his name that you would send forth the Holy Spirit afresh upon us to open our minds, to enlighten the eyes of our hearts, to fill us with all spiritual wisdom and insight in accordance with your word. And grant us the grace, O Lord, to believe what you say so that we might live more joyfully and faithfully as your children through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let us hear the Word of God. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. This comes from our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. It is written, Jesus said, When you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, 
To Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, power, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Friday night, Catherine and I were watching a teaching series video by the late Dr. R.C. Sproul entitled Prayer. It's very good, very helpful, very practical. I highly commend it. You can download it from Ligonier.org, just as you do your Sunday school Zoom lessons and watch it for free. Dr. Sproul begins that first lesson by acknowledging that, that many Christians, if we are honest, will admit that we really do not experience the rich and meaningful life of prayer that we would really want to. And that's very common. And if that's how you feel, be well assured you are not alone. You know, real prayer with the living and true God does not come naturally to us. In every endeavor to pray, we are met with resistance from our own sinful nature, from the distractions of busyness and concerns and responsibilities in our life on earth, and from the subterfuges of Satan. In addition to which, there is the weakness of our own mental and uh, emotional constitution. Wanderings of mind, fleeting thoughts, mood swings, etc. And in the 21st century, digital screen addiction and incessant multitasking are destroying our powers of mental concentration, our attention span, and our ability to focus on anything. That's a huge issue for us in the 21st century related to our life of prayer. And parents, let me just throw this in really quickly. That's a big issue in the constitutional formation. I mean by that heart, mind, soul, mental acuity and concentration of your children. Please, for the sake of their spiritual life as well as their intellectual life, please, if you can't kill the screen, please limit, uh, limit it. And I'll just throw in real quickly, if you get to go on summer vacation, no DVDs in the car, audio books, audio books. All right, so now there he goes again, there he goes again. All right, and you're saying, I know what you're saying, you're saying, okay, Pastor John, okay, I'll kill the screen if you quit sending so many emails and texts, right? Okay, I got it. But now let's go back. It is an issue. It's really an issue in the 21st century. And we do need to exercise some discipline. No wonder we can't concentrate and focus in prayer. All right, prayer doesn't come naturally easy for any of us. So all of us, myself included, 
need help and encouragement and guidance. And in that video session, Dr. Sproul says that he thinks the the main reason that people really don't experience a deep prayer life is not because of a, a lack of faith or a lack of discipline, certainly not a lack of time, but actually we just don't know how to pray. But brothers and sisters, here's the great news. The Bible teaches us how to pray. The Bible gives us guidance in how to pray. Now again, before we go further, I, I want to say that, the, that from the Bible, first of all, we get the great encouragement to pray from the great assurance that comes in having Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We cannot begin to pray without Him. We pray only because He has borne our sins in His body on the tree. We can pray only because He has reconciled us to our Holy Creator. We can pray only because He has gone ahead of us and by His blood has made a new and living way into the most holy place so that we may, indeed we must, with confidence in Jesus Christ, draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Jesus Christ is with you and for you at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And you are welcome there through faith in, in Him to come before the Holy One in prayer. Prayer is a gift which God the Father gives to us through the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ. Because Christ has purchased that privilege for us with His own blood. Be encouraged by that. Now, secondly, in the Scripture, God teaches us how to pray. For example, the book of Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible. And one of the most helpful ways to grow in the life of prayer is to set aside time each day to read a psalm. And may I suggest, read it aloud. Read it slowly. Read it meditatively. This is not Bible study. This is prayer. Make the psalm your own prayer. Let the words of the psalm voice your praise to God or express your need to God or confess your sin to God or lead you in a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Or for example, you can take Psalm 23 meditatively, slowly, and thank the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being my good shepherd. You laid down your life for me, one of your sheep, so that I might graze and rest in the green pastures and beside the still waters of your everlasting kingdom. 
forever. Slowly, meditatively, or pray the psalms of spiritual warfare as spiritual weapons wielded against the enemies of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. You read these warfare psalms over and over again. And they refer primarily, ultimately, to the enemies of God and His kingdom in your own life and throughout the world. Pray the psalms of joyful praise and thanksgiving. Let them buoy up your spirit as you focus on the greatness and the goodness and the, the glory of God. Let the psalms be your God. Another way in which the Scripture teaches us to pray, in which the Lord teaches us to pray, of course, is found in the Lord's Prayer. And we've just spent 12 weeks studying the Lord's Prayer in Sunday school, so I'm not going to comment on it verse by verse. But the point is that Jesus taught His disciples how to pray by giving them this pattern, this template, this model outline of prayer. You know, it's not so much that Jesus taught His disciples to pray this prayer. But He taught them this prayer to teach them how to pray. So from it, we learn basic principles and precepts about how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. That teaches us that prayer is to be offered with reverence, humility, intimacy, dependence, trust, childlike faith. Our Father, who art in heaven. So how do we, practically speaking, express or show reverence and humility in prayer? Because, you know, reverence is not something that is engendered by our culture in general with respect to one another or with respect to uh, God. Well, we begin, and Alistair Begg points this out, in his book, also Dr. Sproul in the video, we need to remember who we are and to whom we are speaking. Our Father who art in heaven. And in the Bible, in the Bible, you will not find one single prayer which sounds chatty and chummy, casually expressed, or rattled off in a, in a hurried and perfunctory manner. Not one. So, slow down. Slow down. Quiet your mind. Quiet 
your heart. Quiet your soul. Quiet your body. Collect yourself in the presence of your heavenly Father. Look to Jesus at his right hand. Be mindful of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit interceding for you from within you. And begin by honoring and adoring the triune God for who he is. Because when we enter into prayer by the Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to the Father, we are enveloped in the mystery of the divine trinity. One common question is about posture. And you know, here's the thing. In any situation or uh, any engagement with anyone, our body language says something. I mean, there's a reason that we call it body language, right? And the Bible teaches us that we are heart, soul, body, mind, unities. So we're all connected. Everything works together. And that's the point about posture, whatever it is, because posture communicates the attitude of our heart and our mind. That's why we call it body language. Now, the Bible mentions various postures. Kneeling physically expresses reverence, submission, dependence. But standing with one's face lifted to heaven, eyes opened, arms extended, is also a biblical posture of prayer. And by the way, on that note, may I encourage you to memorize the words of the great hymns of praise which we sing. If you memorize these great hymns of praise, then you can more readily and more spontaneously and and more with your inner being pray prayers of praise as you sing to the Lord. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, I greet thee who my sure Redeemer art. You might really be surprised in terms of your personal prayer life if you worked at memorizing these great hymns of praise so that you could sing prayers of praise in worship. Oh, wow. We are a singing congregation. Thanks be to God. 
Let's take it a notch up and be a praying congregation as we sing. Parents, by the way, that's a great project for the summer for our children. Let's, let's have them memorize some of the great hymns of the church, internalize them into the, the core of their little beings, all four and five verses. All right. Further, we're still on the subject of posture. The Bible speaks of lying prostrate on the ground, one's face before, on one's face before the Lord, broken, in need, probably best done in private. The Bible also speaks of communing with God on our beds, lying still and quiet in His presence in meditation and prayer. And you know, even when we sit, as we Presbyterians sometimes do, you know, even when we sit, we still have body language. We still have body language. And we can sit erect, as in the presence of the king, or we can perhaps slightly bow over while sitting, as, as though kneeling, as, as though on our face before the Lord, the king. I'm not too sure about casually slouching. Because again, the Bible teaches us that God created us as a unity of body, soul, and mind. And therefore, physical posture, tone of voice, manner of speech, serious engagement of thought, each of these things is a presentation of ourselves, our selves, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our bodies before the Lord. Therefore, I believe that I am on biblical grounds when I say that our prayers for the sake of reverence and humility and earnestness ought never to be offered in a chummy, trivial, casual, sloppy, slovenly, hurriedly, or perfunctory way, either in our manner of speech or our posture. So don't just rattle something off quickly off the top of your head. Slow down. Collect yourself in the presence of your Father in heaven. Quiet your heart. Quiet your mind. Quiet your soul. Quiet your body. As John Calvin says, let your mind descend into your heart. What a beautiful phrase. Let your mind descend into your heart. Come before God with reverence, humility, intimacy, trust, dependence, and childlike faith. Well, Pastor John, we're not always in those circumstances. No, I know we're not. And sometimes you might be in the middle of some great crisis and all you can do is just cry out, help! Of course, of course. But right now, I am preaching and teaching concerning our life of prayer, our discipline of prayer. It takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes discipline. 
So that's what I'm encouraging. The Lord's Prayer and its structure also shows us what ought to be the priorities of our hearts in prayer. The first three petitions have to do, as you know, with God. The holiness of His name, the coming of His kingdom, and the doing of His will. So take the Lord's Prayer as your template, your outline, and pray slowly, meditatively, through each of those petitions. For example, asking the Lord to supply you with His Spirit this day so that you may honor His name in all that you do and say as your number one priority for the day. So that this day, His kingdom, by the power of His Spirit and Word ruling in your heart, His kingdom would be more real, more visible in your own life as you live on earth as a loyal citizen of His kingdom in righteousness, truth, joy, peace, and love. So that this day, by His Spirit and by His Word, you would be empowered to do His will in accordance with His Word as eagerly, as gladly, as obediently as the angels do in heaven. And do you see that these first three petitions which focus on God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will, when we pray them in this way, become prayers for us. We engage ourselves in those prayers and then you can expand those petitions beyond yourself, praying for others, praying for Christ to build up His church in covenant across the street, around the world, and that His people everywhere would more faithfully do His will in obedience to His word. You see, these are big prayers. We have a big God. And he calls us to pray big. And the last three petitions of the Lord's Prayer then have to do specifically with our needs. Daily bread, that is all of our physical necessities. And our spiritual needs, the forgiveness of our sins and the grace to forgive those who have sinned against us. Deliverance from the temptations and assaults of the evil one. And so we note that the Lord's Prayer teaches us that as important as our physical needs are, our spiritual needs are even greater. And sometimes I'm afraid we might forget that. Now, I'll tell you that one of the things that any and every pastor of any and every church, any and everywhere in the United States will tell you that at small group meetings, in Bible study, in prayer meeting, whenever it's time for prayer requests, 99% of those prayer requests will have to do with someone's physical illness. And oftentimes, very common illness and not life-threatening illness. Now, i got to be very careful here. 
of course we pray for those with physical illness and physical needs. And it's understandable because we're close to those people. We love those people. We don't want them to suffer. In some cases, we don't want to lose them. And we do that with great fervency here in the life of our congregation. And we're going to continue to do that with great fervency. It's an expression of our love and our concern for them and their loved ones. So it is right and it is good that we pray for those with physical health needs. But at the same time, dear brothers and sisters, if we learn how to pray from the Bible, we will also learn that the prayers recorded in the Bible far and away in much, much, much greater proportion have to do with the spiritual health of the body of Christ, the church. When we read the letters of the Apostle Paul to the churches, it is clear that his primary focus in prayer was on the spiritual health, the spiritual growth, the fruit-bearing faithfulness of believers. For example, Paul prayed for the Christians in Ephesus that according to the riches of His glory, He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you hear that? That is a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer for you and your brothers and sisters in the church, which means that we ought to be praying this prayer for each other all the time. We might not even know what it means. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Lord. I don't even know what that means or what it might look like in our, in my life, but please, by your grace, bring me more and more into that reality. Make a note, Ephesians 3, 4 through 19. And pray this prayer for yourself and for those you love, your fellow members of Covenant Presbyterian Church and beyond. And then there is prayer, Paul's prayer for the Christians in Colossae, that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. We need that strength and patience and endurance with joy in the living of these days. Do we not? Do we not? As much or more so than to be physically protected from the virus? How shall we respond in the living of these days? We need this spiritual health, this spiritual life. And so these prayers surely ought to be as much or more a part of our prayer life as are our prayers for physical health and life. In the same way as with the Psalms or these specific prayers in Paul's letter, you can base your prayers on practically any passage of Scripture. 
For example, when you read a verse which speaks of the forgiveness of your sins through the blood of Christ, let that prompt you to give a prayer of thanks for His sacrifice for you. When you read a verse exhorting you to persevere in faith in the face of temptation or persecution, let it prompt you to ask the Lord to fill you with the power of His Spirit so that you may withstand the evil one. When you read a verse instructing you to conduct yourself with humility and gentleness, patience and love, don't just say to yourself, you know, I really need to try harder to have more humility and gentleness and patience. and I need to try harder to be more loving. Are you kidding me? What good is that going to do? No, 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 no. Hear the voice of God speaking to you in that Scripture. And then reply to him, Lord, I can't do that without you. I can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. I need you. Please give me more of your spirit. Make me able, make me willing to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which I have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience. Give me more and more of Jesus. In other words... How to pray? Let the words of the Bible be your guide. One last note. There's nothing wrong with using a book of prayers for your daily devotional prayers. I've recommended a couple here. And to use them in family prayers. As long as they're scripturally based, doctrinally sound. And you read them not like little, um, oh, you know, just get it done perfunctorily, but you read them from your heart. And, you know, what I've been sending out to you during the shutdown to a, to a very large degree has been taken from or based upon resources that I use personally. But again, the point is to make the printed, published prayer your own. It is not a magical incantation. Neither is the Lord's Prayer, by the way. It has to come from your heart. But it can come from your heart if you offer it in spirit and truth while you're reading it. Now, here's an example from this resource entitled Piercing Heaven. There's a quotation that goes with the uh, title of that book. It's this. It says, oh, excuse me, got to get to the That prayer is most likely to pierce heaven, which first pierces one's own heart. Well, here's an example of one of these prayers, and listen as it uses the Scripture as its basis. Father, may I have the most faithful and affectionate regard to the blessed Jesus your incarnate Son, the brightness of your glory and your exact image. Though I have not seen Him, may I love Him. And in Him, though now I do not see Him, yet believing, may I rejoice with unspeakable joy full of glory. May I live daily by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. May I be filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit 
And so may it be evident to others that I am a child of God and an heir of glory. Work in me a spirit of love, power, and of a sound mind so that I may add virtue to my faith. May I be strong and courageous and act like a Christian in the work to which I am called. May I labor not only or chiefly for the food that perishes, but for that which endures to eternal life. May I humble myself under your mighty hand and be clothed with humility, with a meek and quiet spirit which is valuable in the sight of God. May I be pure in heart that I may see God and put to death whatever belongs to my sinful nature. May I be content with such things as I have and learn to be content in all circumstances. May I love my neighbor as myself and do unto others as I would want them to do unto me. All for the glory of your holy name, through Jesus Christ, your Son, my Savior. Amen. Now, all of those petitions were based directly on a verse of Scripture. So may I encourage you, if you want to learn how to pray, if you want to grow in your life of prayer, if you want to have your life changed, transformed by prayer, read the Bible and let God's Word teach you how to pray. To God be the glory. Amen. Father, we thank you that you care for us in so many ways, in every way. There is nothing lacking. We give you thanks and praise. We thank you for the promise of the gospel. We thank you for a Savior risen from the dead, our great high priest at your right hand. We thank you for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, our intercessor within us on earth. Oh Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to pray. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I invite you to stand as we affirm our faith, saying responsively the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer number one. Christian, what is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort is that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. At the cost of his own precious blood, he has fully paid for all my sins and has set me free from the dominion of the devil. He also watches over me so well that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Indeed, all things must work together to fit his purpose for my salvation. 
Therefore, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly ready and willing from now on to live for him. Amen.